All right, all right, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. We're going to try to finish up Proverbs chapter 10 tonight. Proverbs chapter 10, as we're going to be looking at the last uh, 10 verses. And uh, so we'll go ahead and stand. You guys have been sitting for a little bit, and we'll read these last 10 verses as we stand uh, in reverence to the Word of God. We're going to be at Proverbs chapter 10, beginning with verse 22. And I'll just kind of read down through them quickly, and then we're going to come back and, and look at them again. And the title of the lesson tonight is, What is Found in a Life? And it's a question, and we're going to see some things and then kind of revisit the question at the end uh, of the lesson. So what is found uh, in a life? So verse 22, the blessings, I'm sorry, the blessing of the Lord, uh, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Uh, It is a sport, it is as sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. The fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Uh, As the whirlwind passes, so is the wicked no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard, that's a lazy person, to them that send him. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, uh, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching of the word of God tonight and the teaching as well. And uh, as we go back through these verses and look at some things, and Lord, again, we see these contrasts between what is righteous, what is not righteous, what is good, and what is evil, uh, what is godly, what is ungodly. And so, Father, help us to understand some things today. And and Lord, uh, you certainly haven't called us to live a perfect life. No one can do that. But we are to live a redeemed life. And Father, you give us these things so that we might have something, Lord, that we can look to and know uh, how you feel about things and what you expect out of your people. And so, Father, I hope and pray that you'll speak to each and every one of our hearts here tonight. If there's some areas, Lord, that we need to do better in, uh, may we uh, come to this altar when the time is given, take care of those things with you. And, uh, Father, we should want to leave here better than we came in tonight. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and honor for it all. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. What is found in a life? You know, over the past several lessons, uh, we've seen these contrasts, uh, really since the beginning of the lessons, but particularly lately, uh, between living righteously, living wickedly. Uh, and Solomon actually here, he's really re-emphasizing some things that we've already seen uh, in previous Proverbs, but he's going over these things again. And really, we have these ten verses here, just they were kind of different, they all stand by themselves, uh, but we grouped them together. Again, because we're looking at the difference in how two lives can turn out. So that's kind of how I want you to look at this tonight. In other words, what is found in a life? And and we see these two different kinds of contrasts. We see the life or the ways of the wicked, and we see the life uh, and the ways of the righteous. Now, always understand, when I want to talk about righteous, we're not talking about people that are, you know, so good and, you know, they just never make any mistakes and never do the wrong things. A righteous person is simply somebody that's saved. You know, we sang a while ago, sinners saved by grace. 
I mean, that's the only difference between us and lost peoples is we're, we're, we're saved, you know. So we're, you know, uh, uh, positionally, yeah, we're, we're better. You know, what I mean by that is because we have, we have the grace of God on our life, okay. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, we're, we're just sinners saved by grace. So we're not talking about, you know, uh, this, uh, you know, perfect little life. But we do see the difference between those that are not saved, how they live, and those that are saved, uh, the ways of their life as well. Uh, and so God would have us to understand that the life that we live and the choices we make produce certain results. And you don't even have to be a Christian to know that. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously there's, you know, there's uh, consequences to the choices we make. They can be good or bad. Uh, but uh, bad choices, wrong lifestyles, certainly are going to result in negative things. We think about the Bible teaching of reaping and sowing. <clears throat> and again, reaping and sowing could be good or negative because good choices uh, made with the right motives, made with the right heart, uh, certainly those are going to result in positive things. And I think all of us tonight would want positive things in our life, or at least I hope we would. And so we see these examples, ten of them actually, and we're going to touch, because there's ten of them, we'll only talk about each one briefly. We're going to look at each one differently, but then kind of tie the tie them all together and ask that question again, what is found in a life? And as we read some of these, just ask God to get a hold of your heart. You know, listen, you know, anytime we hear the Word of God preached, understand that, that even the preacher, you know, I mean, uh, again, you know, I've gone over this message several times this week, and, and don't think that God hasn't, you know, uh, got a hold of me on a couple of things. And, and that's what the Word of God is supposed to do, amen, is to correct us and to show us. We might not be uh, 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 breaking one of these uh, precepts, you know, to a high degree, but there still could be something that we know we're not doing right that we're reminded of. And let me just say, that's that's a wonderful thing because... When whatever degree that we're not right in our fellowship with God, that hurts us. So anytime God brings to our attention something we can make better in our life, that just makes us closer to God. And for that, we ought to rejoice. I mean, don't you want to be closer to God? Amen? I mean, if there's something in your life, even if it's just a little thing, even if it's just a little something that's keeping you from being as close to God as you could, would we not want to get rid of that so that we could just be a little closer to Him even? And so, again, that's what's wonderful about the Bible, and that's how God designed the Word of God as well. So we're going to be looking at some things. Number one, those who live for the Lord are enriched and spared the sorrow of sin. doesn't mean that they're spared sorrow because there's things in life that happen, but the sorrow of sin. Look at verse 22 again. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Now, again... This isn't talking about sorrow in general, but sorrow uh, for sin in that context. Uh, and we've learned that, you know, when we're talking about being rich in the Lord, it doesn't always mean in terms of money, you know. I mean, that's kind of where our thought process goes when we think about being rich. Uh, uh, I believe God does sometimes bless uh, uh, folks with monetary wealth. But, but we know that one could be rich with money, but poor in the Lord, Right? You know, you could have a lot of money, but poor in the Lord. Uh, on the other hand, you could have a little bit of money, but be rich in God, rich in the Lord. And, of course, we should want to be rich in the Lord. So the greatest blessings, uh, the finest, what we might even call the finest morsels in life, aren't, you know, the monetary things that we have, uh, not the material things that we may have or not have, 
Uh, but those great blessings in life, they're spiritual. It's being rich in the Lord. Um, um, there's, let's just put it this way. Though, again, those who live for the Lord are enriched and spared the sorrow of sin. Isn't it just something great about being right with God? Doesn't that just bring you comfort? You know, things may not be going well. People might not be doing what you think they ought to be doing. You know, uh, the you know the world isn't isn't right. But at the end of the day, when you're right with God, it's going to be all right. Amen. But when you're not right with God, those things, these prayer requests that we've mentioned up, they just seem to just have a little more bite to them, don't they? See, that's the sorrow of sin. You see what I'm saying? So the, I go back to what I said a while ago. The closer we are to God, the better <clears throat> it is with us. Uh, and so again, there's just something great about being right with God. Amen. Number two, uh, the wise enjoy good behavior and fools enjoy bad behavior. Look at verse 23. It is sport. In other words, it's a joke. It's fun uh, to a fool to do mischief. You know, they, they think it's kind of funny. Uh, you know that that you know it's kind of neat to be a rebel, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. Of course, the context there, you know, some you know only a foolish person thinks that it's okay to be you know to be a rebel to break the rules and you know gets a kick out of out of doing wrong and getting away with with things. So uh, again, very quickly, only a fool makes a fool that is makes light of sinful behavior. Only a fool would say, eh, if it feels good, do it. If that's what you want to do, that's what you ought to be able to do." That's foolish. But people who are wise and understand the word of God and understand the, the law of reaping and sowing, um, they're not going to do that. What they're going to enjoy is they're going to enjoy doing what's right in the eyes of God. That's what's going to bring them pleasure. Uh, and, and certainly God will bless uh, their life for it. So number two, the wise enjoy <clears throat> good behavior and fools uh, enjoy bad behavior. Number three, uh, the righteous will be granted their desire. The wicked shall receive fear. Verse 24, the fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Kind of a, just kind of an ongoing joke that I have with people is, uh, you know, if they're in a room or something and they're focused and I walk up and say something, it kind of makes them jump, you know, or sometimes that happens to me, you think you're all by yourself and somebody says, hey, and you're like, ah, like that. And uh, when they jump like that, I'll say, what's wrong? You owe somebody some money or something? That's <laughs> just kind of my standard uh, uh, reply to that. But, you know, there are, there are people who live a kind of lifestyle where they never mean what they say or say what they mean. They don't remember what lie they've told who. They don't, they don't remember what they're scheming here or what they're scheming there. And there's just people in this world they don't want to run into. They owe them something. They've done them wrong. Something ain't right. You know? Uh, and what a terrible way to live. What a terrible way to live. And, and that's the picture that we have here. Uh, the, the, the lie, uh, you know, of sin is that, that it offers satisfaction. Play, you know, that, that's why people cheat the system is they think they're going to get ahead, but they don't because in the end it just brings fear to their life. You know, I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're breaking the laws, you know, you always got to worry about the law. Right, you know, if you if you don't you know if you don't pay your fine, if you don't pay your bills, you you worry when the phone rings. 
You see what I'm saying? And so, so again, that's, that's what this is talking about. The righteous will be granted their desire. The wicked shall receive fear. And so, again, any, any reasonable thinking person has to realize that, you know, a day of reckoning, you know, everything comes around. Um, we, as believers, we believe that it's from God. Uh, some people, which there's no such thing as karma, but some people call it karma or the law of averages, whatever you want to put in there. Uh, and, and so there's that dread. I mean, anybody that lives the thug lifestyle knows sooner or later they're going to land on the wrong thing. They know it's just a matter of time. Now, wouldn't you hate to live like that? But there's some people, that's how they live. And that's such a fearful, fearful thing to, to, to think about. Uh, on the other hand, if one's heart is right with God, uh, those who are submitted to God, submitted to the Word of God, uh, it's not that they don't make mistakes, but they take care of it. Those people are at ease. They need no, they need not fear death. Certainly, you know, the return of Christ, those types of things. You know, the Christian, you know, we look at this world and, and we think about, uh, the tribulation period and the antichrist. But as Christians tonight, we don't need to worry about that, do we? Because we're going to be raptured out of here. But those that aren't saved, they, they ought to be a little worried. They should have a little fear. Uh, you know, and are a great deal of fear. And and so, again, uh, uh, save people that are, again, right with God. You're right with people. No need to fear meeting certain people on the street uh, that you've done wrong. And, and that's really a great way to live. So, number three, the righteous will be granted their desire. The wicked shall receive fear. Number four, the righteous will stand. <clears throat> stand. In other words, what we're talking about here is they're able to stand, uh, withstand, uh, so we're talking about righteous will stand at God's judgment, but the wicked will be swept away by it. Verse 25. As the whirlwind passes, so the wicked, so is the wicked no more, but the righteous is an everlasting foundation. And so, uh, I believe this speaks of the judgment, really, of, of, of all unbelievers. In other words, uh, when the judgment of unbelievers come, those that are saved don't need to worry about that. They're gonna stand. But those that aren't saved, they're going to be swept away. They're not going to stand. And uh, we understand the Bible teaches us that there's going to be judgment of unbelievers, uh, of, of the unbelievers uh, who make it through the tribulation. There's that judgment. But there's also someday that the judgment we mostly think about, all the dead lost will be judged at the great white throne judgment. And there's a, I can't remember, my mind just went blank, but it's in the book of Revelations, and it talks about the great white throne judgment. They're not there to be judged if they're saved or not. They're there basically to be sentenced and cast into the lake of fire. I mean, they're guilty. I mean, that's, that's you know, guilt, is that's already been, you know, it's there. But there's a passage in there that says and they, they don't, that they have no place to go. You know, you know maybe when you were a little kid and, and you know, you were, doing something you shouldn't have been doing, and mom or dad walk in, and you know that feeling where i got to get out of here. <laughs> you, know, like, Ooh. you know, you're looking for a spot to go. I mean, that's, that's what it's going to be like for them. I mean, that's a terrible thought, isn't it? No, I mean, there's going to be no place to run or hide or, you know, there, I mean, it, it, no hope. <laughs> that's a terrible thing to think about, isn't it? Uh, and so, again, but the righteous will stand. They, they, they have nothing to to uh, uh, fear as far as the judgment of heaven and hell goes. 
um, uh, those that are righteous. Again, those, when I say righteous, not not those that live a perfect life, but that through faith in God's grace, they've asked Jesus Christ to forgive them their sins. Listen, they don't need to worry about that judgment uh, because that judgment is not against them. They'll stand justified, praise the Lord, forever. So number four, the righteous will stand at God's judgment, but the wicked will be swept away by it. Number five, the lazy. And uh, you guys know how your preacher feels about laziness. The lazy cause problems for others. Verse 26, uh, as vinegar to the teeth, whew, and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard uh, to them that send him. I believe the context here is uh, the relationship of an employer and an employee. Certainly we could think of uh, you know children and parents and those types of things. But... Uh, uh, you know, the, a sluggard is somebody that's lazy, uh, they're not dependable, they're unreliable when they have things they need to be doing. You know, they, 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 have, they need to be working, they need, there's things that need to be done. Let, let me just say, and I, and I know I get on my rant about laziness, but, and it is a pet peeve of mine, but, but the Bible does make it clear, God hates laziness, folks. God does not like laziness. And, and I tell you, it's, it's one of the scourges of America. And, and uh, it, it's not good, I tell you what. It is not good. And so the sluggard certainly is going to irritate those that he works for. In other words, people that are depending on him and her to do things. But again, I want to remind you that most of all, it irritates the Lord. Um, you can't be right with God and be lazy. Amen. Amen. God, you know, I, listen, laziness is a sin, folks, and there are tons of Bible verses in it. Uh, and, and listen, we, you know, I, I, I just tremble. I, I just tremble. I think laziness is something that's accepted. I think there's a lot of parents that are enabling laziness in their children, and they grow up not ever having to do nothing, and then they're 25, 30, 40 years old, and they're lazy. That's not good. That's not good. So the lazy cause problems for other. Number five. Number six, the righteous live longer than the wicked. Verse 27, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, uh, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Now there's something we need to realize about the book of Proverbs, that these, these truths and instructions, when, when generally applied, they have a common result, but we know there's some exceptions. We know even in the Bible that there was good men and women of God that died. We know that there's martyrs here, okay? So, but we also need to, to, you know, we always have to take the whole word of God in context. But what we do know from what the book of Proverbs teaches here is that let's just use some common sense here. We might, in my own life, I, I, can, I can remember those that, that have died young. Maybe they were just teenagers, uh, maybe in their 20s or 30s. And, and, and if I just off the top of my head, when I sit and I think about that, there has been a few that I felt like were decent kids or decent young men or women that passed away, some type of accident. But I'll have to be honest with you, most of that bunch that died young were living a wicked lifestyle. You know, and I know that sometimes that rubs people the wrong way, but we got to call a spade a spade. And the Bible makes it clear that when you live that kind of lifestyle, you're, you're in danger of your existence on this earth being shortened dramatically. 
That's the principle. You know, and uh, now, it ain't up to me. And I'm always careful if somebody, a young person, loses their life. You'll never hear this preacher say, well, you know, that's what they get. And we need to be careful about that. Because only God knows. But we just know that it does happen. But it's God that judges that, not us. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. And uh, so so we do know that, uh, hey, you know, God, uh, <laughs> you know, he doesn't strive with man forever. Amen. And uh, so it's it's a dangerous thing to be in the hands of an angry God. And uh, so we need to understand some things. So the righteous live longer uh, than the wicked. Number seven, the righteous will have their hopes manifested, but the wicked shall never receive their hope. Uh, verse 28, the hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. You know, this goes beyond this world stop and think about it. Why is it that people do the wrong things? And the wrong things could be a whole list. The reason people do wrong things is because they think it's going to bring them something better. They think they're better off doing, in other words, they will get more pleasure by doing this than not doing it. You know, that's what we want. We want satisfaction. And that and that doesn't necessarily mean wicked or evil or something like that. But we want to please the flesh. And boy, if, if human beings are good at one thing, it's this. We know how to please the flesh. Amen. We don't have to be taught that, do we? Does a baby need to be taught how to learn how to cry to get what it wants? <laughs> they just know how. <laughs> they know what they're, amen. It's just, that's what, that's what we do. That, that's our human nature. And, and so when we look at at this this uh, number seven, the righteous will have their hopes manifested, but the wicked will never receive their hope. That ultimate desire to have the flesh completely satisfied will never come to fruition for those that never receive Christ. The very thing that they've been fighting the system for their whole existence, if they don't get saved, they'll never have it. So verse 28 again, he says, The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. The only hope worth anything has to do with eternity. Always remember that. If, if the, the thing you want the most and, and, and have to have in order to, if I don't have this, I'll just die. Hey, listen, if that hasn't got anything to do with eternity, you won't die. <laughs> Amen? The only thing worth having, worth anything of, 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 of lasting effect that has to do with eternity, um, you know, uh, all else that you might have now, you may have, but when you die, it's yours no more. See, that's what we forget, that there's death and then the judgment. We, we forget that sometimes. And so it's important to understand these principles. But if one lives with that blessed hope, you know, heaven, and when I say hope, biblical hope is really a guarantee. It's a promise from God. Then your hope someday will be fully realized. The very thing that every human being wants and desires, that peace within their soul, within their heart, within their mind. Listen, you'll never get it here. But if you're saved, you'll get it up yonder in heaven someday. Woo! Amen! Praise the Lord. 
Boy, if we could get a hold of that tonight, amen? But the unsaved, any hope they have, because it's all based on this temporal life that we live, all that hope that they have, no matter how bad they want it, it'll perish when they perish. Because when a person dies without Christ, they lose everything. When a person without Christ dies, they lose everything they ever had, and they lose everything they could have had. That's sad, isn't it? That's why people need to be saved. So the righteous will have their hopes manifest, but the wicked will never receive their hope. Number eight, the righteous find security in the Lord while the wicked are ruined outside the Lord. You know, it's just, listen, it's, 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 it's a losing battle to try to resist God. Now, verse 29, the way of the Lord is strength to the upright, again, the saved, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. This is what God says. Very simply, honor God and he'll honor you. Amen? See, that's why, that's what we want for our children, folks. Hey, listen, you want your children to, to, to be, be blessed and have a productive, uh, and happy life long after you're gone? Teach them how to honor God. And you teach them by doing it yourself, by the way. But honor God, he'll honor you. We're at our safest. Listen to me very carefully. If you don't get anything else out of this message tonight, understand that we're at our safest when we're in his will. Amen. Hey, listen. We, we think about what's going on in the Ukraine. Right now, you'd be better off sitting right in the middle of the Ukraine in God's will than you would be sitting in this room out of God's will. You better believe it. You better believe it. That's what God says. When we're outside His will, we're in the worst danger we could ever imagine. Matter of fact, most people don't realize it. Um and uh, can face not only a ruined life here on earth, but even worse than that, a ruined eternity to leave this world without Christ. Terrible, terrible thought. The righteous find security in the Lord while the wicked are ruined outside the Lord. Number nine, the righteous will never be uprooted and the wicked will never be rooted. You know, verse 30, the righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. Again, I think the, the context here, uh, you know, we always got to kind of look at these proverbs, you know, from a Jewish standpoint. I believe the promised land is mine here. And, and we need to remember that the promised land was a conditional promise, you know, and that's why those, that generation that came out of Egypt, except for two of them, didn't make it. <laughs> it was a conditional promise between God and the people of Israel. So what we learn here is, is the wicked... Uh, they'll they'll never be planted anywhere. Remember what I said a while ago, that great white throne, there was no place for them? You know, I mean, that, that's a perfect picture. Um, they'll never be planted anywhere. In other words, they're carried along like the wind, spiritually speaking, uh, and they'll never inherit uh, the land of promise. They'll never inherit heaven. And finally, number 10, uh, the righteous hold to wise words, the wicked hold to corrupt words. We'll look at the last two verses. It says, the mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward, that means crooked, perverse, tongue shall be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. And so the words of the righteous, again, we've talked about words a lot throughout this study. In other words, the things that we speak reveal what's in our heart. 
Amen? So the words of the righteous should be good words, right words, helpful words. We've talked about this already. Encourage, admonish, they build up. Uh, the words and speech of the righteous, they're valuable. They're, uh, they're, they're good fruit. They're needful fruit. I mean, that's, that's what we want to have. But the words, you know, the speech of the unrighteous, you know, rotten, spoiled, corrupt. Um, you know, I tell you, I, I really struggle. This is another one of the things I struggle with, you know, is those that, uh, you know, I, I've been out there in the workforce, uh, you know, and, and, you know, trying to live for the Lord. And, and you know, you'll, you'll talk about the Bible and they'll amen and, and they'll talk about church and how they love the Lord. And, and then the next thing you know, there's stuff coming out of their mouth that is just, you know, I'm just like, you know, I don't know about all that. An orange tree puts off oranges, right? If it's an orange tree, it's going to put off oranges. If you're a Christian, there's just certain fruit that you're not going to put off, right? In the normal course of life. Amen. I tell you what, we need to have a revival on a clean mouth. Some reason that's acceptable, and I don't know where that comes from. Uh, the righteous will not allow corrupt speech to pass through the lips. And we understand sometimes we, especially if we're a young Christian, things happen. But when it does happen, it'll break our heart. The difference between that and the wicked is they spew it out willingly. They absolutely have no. It don't bother them a bit to say it. That, that's a problem. So the righteous give godly and wise counsel. They're blessed by God, the counsel of the wicked. Certainly the words of the wicked is condemned by God. So here's the conclusion, and we'll, we'll get ready for our invitation here in just a moment. So we go back to the title of the message, What is Found in a Life? You know, we might ask, really what we ought to ask tonight is, what, what is found in your life? I know sometimes we hear messages and we hear a certain point and we think about somebody. and go, boy, I wish so-and-so was here. Um, and, I, you know, hey, that, that's normal. And maybe they should be here. But tonight, I'm, I'm asking you, what's found in your life? Let's pretend you're the only one in here. And the preacher's been preaching right at you. Because I have. <laughs> what is found in your life tonight? Uh, now, only you and God can answer that. And as I said, maybe as we looked at some of these points, you know, you're better in some, not so good in others, maybe not to a a high degree in any of them. But these biblical sayings are here for a point, and they were, they were to people of God, um, you know, to, to help a young man to understand things. And so this has to do with the life, you know, we've saw both. We've seen the life of lost people. We've saw the life of even saved people. But we all know tonight that saved people can struggle with the same things that lost people struggle with. Is that a fair statement? In other words, we as safe people can have the same issues as lost people at times in their life. And I think all of us understand that. So again, what you know, what is in your life tonight? Is there there some sin? Maybe just something that, that God spoke to your heart about tonight that's that's robbing you of your joy, you know. In other words, you, you know you can't be all you can be for God because that that, that one 
little thing, that little piece of witheredness in your life. Just a small piece, but it's there, and it keeps you from being whole. In other words, you know, is, is bad behavior something you find yourself uh, getting easier and easier to, to accept in your life? You know, or, or maybe to the other extreme. In other words, is doing wrong and bad behavior and, and doing some mischievous things, is that kind of fun for you? Woo! That's not a good place to be. Here's another good question we should always ask. And I'm talking to believers tonight. I'm not talking to anybody, but but I'm talking to believers and the lost. If it was God's will, how would you meet Him tonight? How would you meet Him right now? Boy, all about you, but that makes me a little nervous. Makes me tremble a little bit. Makes me go, boy, I got some, I got some fence men that I might need to go back and take care of. Amen. Hey, this is good stuff. Because this is what helps us get a little baby. Wouldn't it be good to leave here closer to God than when you came in tonight? Wouldn't it? Hey, God's wanting to speak to hearts. You know, we've talked about a lot of things. You know, we've got some young people in here. And old people need to be reminded. Or I shouldn't say old. I should say older people should be reminded. You know, how is your work ethic? You know, what do you do when the boss ain't around? Boss might not be around, but God is. God is. Here's another question. What's your happiness tonight really based on? What is it that really makes you happy tonight? Where's God fit in with all that? Where's your hope and trust? Do you feel more comfortable in the Lord or outside of the Lord? You know, I think some people, they don't really like living outside the will of God, but it's just something they get used to. It's, they're just, just kind of comfortable in that atmosphere. They know it doesn't really do them any good, but it's all they know. That's why I call the thug life. It's, they, 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 know it, you know, they know it always comes around. They always end up in the ditch, but they just can't get out of it. That's just where they operate. All they need is a little faith to step out and ask God to forgive them their sins and live for Him. So how about you? Do you feel more comfortable in the Lord or outside the Lord? I know I'm lingering a little bit here, but I think this is important. Here's another great question. Where are you getting your counsel? Where do you get your advice? It's amazing to me that people that claim to be saved, and they may very well be saved, but they'll go to some unsaved person Try to get counsel. I don't know about you. They might have some worldly type wisdom, maybe to show you how to make a buck, or you know, or kill a deer, or something like that. But I I tell you, you know, the deep. Listen, if somebody isn't saved, I mean, they're worse off than you are. They need to be talking to you, (laughs) right? So where, where do you get your, count, your counsel from? Do you get it from the world? Do you get it from the unsaved? You know, where is that? So we end up with our question, and I'll be done. What do you find in your life tonight? And as Brad begins to play some music, and we'll go ahead and stand.